warning. The Catholic Man Show contains high levels of manliness. If you think you may be too weak to withstand the manliness represented in the following program, please do yourself a favor and stop listening now. If you choose to continue in spite of this warning, if at any time you feel yourself overcome by the manliness, stop immediately and consult your closest medical professional. And now, for the not-so-fair, faint, or frilly, we present The Catholic Man Show. Welcome to the Catholic Man Show. We're on the Lord's team, the winning side. So raise your glass. The warning today is if you guys do not pay attention to the warning, I'd like you to stop the podcast right now. Go ahead and, and rewind and start over because there is an extra level of manliness here today in studio. I'm out of Minahan with David Niles. So we have the 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 high level of manliness and now we're going high octane yep stepping it up a notch with mr sam guzman of the catholic gentleman sam what's up man i'm happy to be here yeah this is like peak manliness though. this is peak yeah. manliness. it's like an earthquake of manliness going off in tulsa right now we had an earthquake yesterday yeah did, did you no. feel it no i didn't yeah we had i like, missed it i was i caused it yeah <laughs> I sneezed and we had a we had an earthquake. <laughs> yeah, we actually did have. A, so uh, no, it was two days ago. It was two days ago. We Couple had days earthquake. ago. Yeah, yeah, we had we had an earthquake. Tornado was yesterday. Tornado yes. was yesterday. Yeah. So Tim Staples comes into town, and uh, the first day he's there, we have an earthquake. The second day he's there, there is a tornado that lands <laughs> or like almost lands, touches down about three miles from his hotel, and I'm like, man, the demons of the air are mad. You are here, Tim. They are mad. Yeah. <laughs> And the earth, and the earth in general, demons of the air and earth, and earth. Yeah, yeah. sure. Because I don't think I don't think the demons of the air, the can elemental cause. spirits. Yes, yeah. I don't think they can cause earthquakes. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how that all that works. Yeah, I'm not a demonologist, nor right. do I want to be. No, I don't. I don't want to be either. But no, that's exactly how you end up as one. <laughs> just so you know, it's just like if you're a priest and you don't want to be a bishop, that's how you become mm-hmm. a bishop. Yep, exactly. So uh, let's let let's. Crack into our, our whiskey this this yes. afternoon. Uh, so Sam, we, we appreciate you coming today. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna open up a bottle of High West whiskey, American Prairie bourbon. It's a blend of bourbons. Oh, also we have Juan in in studio today. Sorry, Juan, I didn't mean to neglect you, but Juan is our our producer, our best friend. That without him, let's be honest, would be in a lot of trouble. Would uh, there'd be a, a significant a significant quality downshift? Sure, sure. Uh, so this is a a blended whiskey uh, bourbon okay. Okay. from from three different uh, whiskeys. It's three different whiskeys blended together. Two of them are from Four Roses. Uh, it's their thirteen and their six year, I believe. And then there's also a two year whiskey that's blended in as well that's not from four roses i forget what the the uh hmm. the distillery is but, but it's this not is a different distiller than four i mean this isn't four roses product i don't believe that four, that four roses owns this but i'm not i don't know that for certain okay 
Uh, we're on the Lord's team. The winning side. So raise your glass. Cheers to Jesus. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers one. I want to say something really sophisticated mm. right now. Okay. The do nose it. Ooh, is, do it. Yeah. Yeah, is, do it. Let's hear it. Let's hear your tasting notes. Almondy. Ooh, almondy. Mm. Huh? Nice. Okay. Never heard that one before, have you? I don't think I, I don't know. I don't know. So maybe not. Is al- almondy is almondy a word? Uh, every time I say it I, is now. Every, yeah. I said limony last time, like one time, and Father it's, O'Brien it's was like, "Limony." It's not limony. It's limony is not a word. That's because it's limony. Oh, yeah. It's French. That's no, just it's how limone. you say. Limone. Oh, limony. Thank you. <laughs> so the nose. It says uh, it's strong aromas of banana seem to jump out. Banana eat. Yeah. Uh, mm. There's a lot of cinnamon spice with some nice oak aromas. Mm. The oak tends towards a young oak, not an, a long aged or overly charred note. Uh, some sweetness lingers just behind that, perhaps a little bit of vanilla or wedding cake. Wedding cake? Yeah, do you get wedding cake? Wedding I always, I'm always curious on what wedding cake is versus, versus cake. Like birthday cake or just any or other. Just anniversary cake. Anniversary cake. Like or any cake. cake. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's extra wet, celebratory wedding cake is, I think, traditionally a white cake. That's true. Mm-hmm. Yes. So it wouldn't be chocolate cake, wedding cake. Hmm. It's expensive. Even though chocolate it's overly is overly priced better. cake. Yes. It's overly priced. Cake. Yeah, that's yeah, what that's right. Cake is. Mm, that smells like money and you cake. know, <laughs> psychologically, the more you charge for something, the better it tastes. Did you know that? I believe that. That makes sense. I believe that. This this bottle of whiskey though is actually not that expensive for bourbon. It's uh it's right under thirty dollars. So for a thirty dollar bottle, really, yeah, That's not bad. Okay, not bad, right? Yeah. Um. So the the palette it says, uh, it sure it like if you like four roses, you're gonna like this. It has a, a little bit of of rye taste to it, like a, a rye whiskey. Hmm. It's a ninety. Uh, it's a ninety two proof. So it's it's a little stronger. Yeah, forty six percent. Uh, the finish, it says, uh, it's all four roses here with a semi-long note of rye and oak lingering with undercut of bananas. I don't get the bananas on the, I get no, it on I the nose, but I, I get it on the finish. I do not get it on the finish, I meant. No. I, I could, yeah, I could smell the bananas. But I cannot uh, on the finish. Uh, th- you don't smell the finish anyway, but I cannot taste mm-hmm. the bananas on mm-hmm. the finish. Uh, there's a, a slight bitter taste, but uh, it does not, it's not off-putting is what it says. I agree. Wow. All that. It's probably from the two year that's in there. The two year probably has a little bit more of a, a harshness to it. That's yeah. probably why they, they, they use that that the six and thirteen blend I think is the majority and then they add a little bit of the two is kind of almost like a cutter. Yeah. You know the bananas is actually really strong. Mm-hmm. On the nose. Yeah. Isn't it mm-hmm. isn't it interesting that once somebody tells you yeah, like yeah, Here, you here's see. what you should be smelling? But once you start doing that with whiskeys, you know, you read the tasting notes and that's how you actually develop your palate, I think, because yeah. then you're able to, to associate those type of smells with that type of taste. You yeah. say, oh, I do smell that, and that does hit on the palate. And there's really only a handful of smells, aromas, flavors that you're going to, it's more than a handful, but that you're going to pick up in a whiskey. You know, there's the, the standard things, and so once you, you get to know those, you can kind of look for them. Right. And I think that helps, because if you just say, smell this, what do you smell? And the possibilities are everything. Yeah. Then it it's harder to identify. But if you know, all right, there's a set category here. 
for the most part. For me, it's it's harder to taste, or it's harder to give tasting notes for bourbon compared to scotch mm. because there, scotch is with all the different areas uh, within Scotland. You can you can kind of associate okay. The high, you know, the Highlands are going to have a little bit more of a sherry taste yeah. to it, so you can taste all those raisins and all those mm-hmm. that kind of flavor. You get into the uh, the Isla, you know, you're going to hit this peat and smoke. Right. But for bourbons, I always catch the the oak, the vanilla, yeah. the uh, you know. Well, whiskey isn't. Uh, it's not old enough in our country where an East Coast whiskey tastes different from a West Coast whiskey. Mm. I mean, but starting that's starting to happen in beer. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's Beer from the mm-hmm. East Coast. You know, they brew it. They have their own flavor over there. So yeah, East Coast IPAs, West Coast IPAs. Right. Yeah. No coast IPAs. By the way, I never recommend IPAs. I know you don't. I know you're not an IPA no. guy. Yeah, that's IPAs. That's. Too but you're bad. a stout guy. You like stouts? Yes. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Do you know what we found out the we other day? We had a good chocolate porter downstairs. We found out porter that. Porter is my favorite. Did you know that Guinness is actually a Protestant beer? Did you know that? Does that ruin Guinness for you? <laughs> Or Ireland. I've or never been a fan of Guinness. I haven't been a huge and fan. And they say, oh, it's so much better in Ireland. Maybe it is, but... Yeah, I've never... I, I mean, this might be heresy to some people, but I just... I've never gotten into Guinness myself. It's great branding and great marketing. Right. You know, it's a, it's, a, it's the kind of thing you want to wear on a t-shirt or a hat. Right. But you very don't have good to marketing. like it, you know? Uh, to me, here, whenever I drink it, it, it's very watery. That's what I think. It, yeah. it tastes like water. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's it's just like nitroed to the point where there's no flavor. Yeah, so he's making is, is that gang signs one? <laughs> what, what was Juan's that? letting us know that we have two minutes left. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> I, thought, I thought that was like West Coast or something. Oh. No, we're just high. We're just high. Uh, <laughs> we're high class here, and we're able to get a producer who lets side. us know All that right. we have two minutes left. Like this. <laughs> so. We're going to talk about your book today. We're really excited about your, your the brand new book, The Catholic Gentleman. If you signed up to win a copy, what we're going to do at the very end, after the, seg- after the show's over, we're going to continue live streaming, and we're going to pick two people to win these, th- these copies of the book that Sam is going to personalize for you, sign them, and we're going to ship them to you. The value will instantly go through the roof. Let me yeah, it'll be... Yeah, pos- that's, that's math. Possibly a second-class mm-hmm. relic someday. <laughs> that's guaranteed i was gonna say god you, you don't have a whole well, lot of faith I mean, in the guy no it's like well we're not sure if they we know he's you know we have hope that he's going to heaven but we don't know if the church is going to what do you, canonize what do you think him. the church makes mistakes at him no i'm saying that we don't know if he's going to open the okay canon- they'll canonize the, the process guy. has already started Adam. yeah okay we're saint stephen i need saint right. stephen here <laughs> i've always joked about putting it in my will that upon my death my picture and biography would be mailed to every cardinal. <laughs> My body is donated to the church. Already. Right. It's already the tour schedule. No, I'm just kidding. Just, yeah. Okay, right. we're getting carried away. <laughs> I'm going to open up a new charity who's, you know, it's their job to help promote canonizations. Yes. As just a sham to promote my own canonization. <laughs> Can you buy canonizations, by the way? Not anymore. They used to buy. Not, yeah, they, they, not, they used uh, to do that. It yeah. was a big deal, and it was it didn't go well. <laughs> yeah, then then Lutheranism came along, yeah. and they're like, oh, let's stop Lutheran doing that. Everything. I mean, come on. Yeah, no, we're yeah. going to cut that out. Yeah. So. Uh, so, in your book, Sam, there is a, a a chapter in here, the brief guide to happy drinking, which we're enjoying a spirit here this evening or this afternoon. So when we get back. We'll talk a little bit about that in your in your book. I'm really excited. Right. We're on the Lord's team. The winning side. So raise your glass.
Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. I'm David Niles here with Adam Minahan and Mr. Sam Guzman, the Catholic Gentleman. You can find the Catholic Gentleman on the internet. CatholicGentleman.net. Just just Google Google it. Yeah. I think all of your stuff, all right, Sam? You'll find it all. It all comes up if yeah. you Google it. Hey, shout out Every to Sam Holliday, who's the first, he's listening to our show for the first time. Yeah. Give us a shout out. So, hey, welcome, Sam. Welcome to the Catholic Man Show. I really like his name, by the way. It's yeah. It's got this dignity to it. Sam Holiday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that. Kind of like a Doc Holiday. I like, like Doc. Dude, Sam- that, what an epic movie that was. Yeah. Awesome. So are you Samuel? You're not Sam Wise. I like to think of myself as Sam Wise, yes. In mm-hmm. fact, he's my favorite character in Lord of the Rings. Really? Okay. If I would be a Lord of the Rings character, it would be Sam Wise Gamgee. Yeah. He was pretty solid. He was good in this world, Mr. Frodo. Mm-hmm. It's worth fighting for. You want to know something about Adam? He, he, he hates the Lord of the Rings. We cannot be friends. <laughs> I disown uh, could you, you. Could you have waited to say that to the end of the show so we no. can make sure he doesn't walk out right now? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to be honest, I have not read all of Lord of the Rings. Yeah, uh, he. I was so. a little hyperbolic, but can we can we just excommunicate him right now? <laughs> I say you and I just beat him up. <laughs> all right. Yeah, I'm right. In the We've middle. got him trapped. <laughs> Uh, no, how all about right, this? Right. Let's, let's talk about his book. How about that? Let's do that. Tolkien, Tolkien's book? No, Sam's oh, book. Oh, okay. Yeah, oh, that's a great idea. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right. So, Sam, there, there are times on you know, John, show, You know, Tolkien actually inspired this book. I don't know if you know that, Adam. That's why I like it so much. Yeah. Uh, Sam, there's, t- there's times where people who listen to our show for the very first time, they are a little taken back by the fact that we open, review, and enjoy a beverage on air. Right. Uh there's some people who think that that's not a good thing, right? Um, especially, you know, we we try our we try to highlight virtue on the show, regardless. You know, uh, uh, yeah. all, all virtues and bring up temperance. We haven't had like mm-hmm. an overt shout out to temperance lately, but right. we, we do that a lot, right? So I mean, the goal is to to promote temperance, to promote moderation. Sure. One thing to talk about it, another thing to actually exemplify it. You know, in public. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the chapters in your book talks about a brief guide to happy drinking. What are your thoughts? Well, my my rule of drinking is very Chestertonian. Uh, Chesterton, the great G.K. Chesterton, once said that you know, drink because you're happy, but never because you're miserable. And he he says if you drink because you're miserable, you'll be you'll be like the drunk in the in the slums. But if you if you uh, if you drink because you're happy, you know you'll find the true meaning of drinking. And I think um, I think that's a really wise way of looking at at alcohol. I mean, let's face it, um, alcohol has the potential to be dangerous, mm. uh, but it also has the potential to bring joy to life. And to enhance the happiness that we already have. So if you, you know, in, in, in Scripture, it says wine makes the heart glad. Um, Christ turned water into lots of excellent wine. Yeah, a lot. To enhance a party. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, so the, you, have to, you have to acknowledge both sides. You have to acknowledge that, yes, there is the potential for abuse. And it can be abused. Yes, let's acknowledge that. Right. And yes, alcohol has done damage uh, when it has been abused but that does not make it inherently wrong it is a gift from god and we can use it in the right way any of god's gifts can be abused 
I mean, okay, don't get me wrong. I'm not equating these two things on the level of, of equality. But let's let's think about it, though. Like one of the other God, gifts that God's given us that's often abused is sexuality, right? Yeah. It's a beautiful gift from God. and Big fan. Yes, me too. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> anyway. I'm particularly but, fond of my wife's. Oh, sexuality. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Good. I just really am. Yeah. Good. I'm that's happy. I'm one, happy for you. That's one thing about okay. me. So, <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> this just got really awkward, guys. <laughs> Sorry. But, go you know, ahead, I, go ahead. So, but yeah, it's like, but it's a good gift from God, right? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. But what does the world do? It takes it, it abuses it, it profanes it. And guess what? All kinds of bad things happen, okay? Mm-hmm. So the point is not that sexuality and alcohol are the same thing. That's, that's utterly ridiculous. But what I'm saying is a good gift can be abused. That's the point I'm trying to make. And so you take alcohol, which is in Scripture many times talked about it, the, the possibilities that it can give us to enhance the joy that God's given us. And he wants us to experience that joy. There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, God is glad when we are glad. Um, in the right way. And so alcohol has that potential to enhance our happiness. And, and, and if we receive it with gratitude, enjoy it with moderation, and, re- and, 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 and embrace it as an act of celebration mm-hmm. of the good gifts of, God, of life, um, it can be a wonderful gift. And, um, but ob- absolutely, moderation is the key. Right. Mm-hmm. And drinking for the right reasons. I mean, think about, there's a wonderful word that we've often forgotten about in, in the modern world, and that's as conviviality. And, and conviviality means the joy of being together. Hmm. And Wait, say it again. Conviviality? Conviviality. The joy of sharing I, I not life shared together. Life. Con, yes. Convivi, you know. Life mm. together. That's, yeah. that's essentially what it means. And when you're with friends and you drink together, it's a shared experience, and it enhances this wonderful joy of being together. And really, that's when you look at alcohol, like that's kind of the the best experience you can have of it is when you're with friends, yeah, and you're enjoying each other's company, and you're sharing a drink, and and it's you're giving thanks to God for your togetherness and for the gifts of creation. That's 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 mm-hmm. that's the best that it can be right there. But when you're depressed and you're isolated and you're alone and you're bitter and you're angry at the world and you're you're drinking, it's not going to end well. No, it's not going to end well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, never drink when you're angry, sad. No. Upset. Right. Drink when you don't have to. So I think that's another exactly. one that, that G.K. Chesterton said, didn't yes. he? Yes. Yes. When drink. you don't have to. Um, yeah, that, that's a good way to put it. But you want to. Right. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, Dave, we, we talk about this all the time is is being able to know thyself. You know, there's some people who struggle with alcoholism and alcoholism has affected many, many, many families throughout history. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And sometimes moderation or the virtue of temperance means n- zero alcohol for some exactly. people. And to the men who do that, we should have, like we should say, yes, I'm glad that you know yourself. I'm gl- you know, that is something you should not um, you should not tempt yourself into. If you know your weaknesses, you should not, you know, hang. If you're an alcoholic, don't hang out at the bar. Right. You know. Um, right. And then also part of that is, uh, if you know you have a friend who is that guy, don't, um, you don't know, cause him to stumble. Exactly. Right. Yeah. You don't. Don't you, drink. Don't drink around. You him. know, do things that he can feel comfortable. You know, you don't have to. Oh, no, we can't drink in front of him. I mean, whoever it is, you got to know him. Right. Um, but 
every now and then it'd be great to just do something where that's not something he has to even worry about. And St. Paul is big on this in, in multiple epistles where he talks about the, the, the freedom we have as Christians, mm-hmm. but also the responsibility that comes with that freedom. Freedom always involves responsibility. Mm-hmm. And you have a responsibility as a Christian, first of all, first and foremost, not to violate your own conscience. So if it bothers you, mm. the thought mm-hmm. of, like, maybe you have a family history there, maybe not. Maybe it just bothers you. Then don't do it. Then don't do it. Don't violate your conscience because, well, everyone else is doing it. You know, No, if, it, if you think it, if it's not something that you feel right doing, then do not do it. Yeah, good And point. don't apologize for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and likewise, as you mentioned, if someone you know has a problem with that. Do not scandalize them. Mm-hmm. Don't use your freedom as a Christian to scandalize someone else. So if you know someone has a problem with drinking, don't go over to their house and bring a bottle of wine and, right. and drink all day at their house. Don't do it. Just don't right. do it. Um, it's not worth it. We have freedom as a Christians, but it's not. It, we should always take into account our brothers and sisters in Christ and, and drink in a responsible way. Let's go on to another chapter. Okay. You good? Yeah, because this is the man gear. This book. Yeah. This. Yeah. Is this, our is our man gear for sure. this episode? Uh, one of the chapters you have in here is putting a putting the man in gentleman. What do you mean by that? Well, you you have to be a man in order to be a gentleman um, in our confused culture these days. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, so some people might uh, take issue with that. Right. Um, <laughs> Yes, yeah, but definitely some people would take issue with it. Yeah, no, but but facts are facts. Mm-hmm. Biology is biology. You have to be a man to be a gentleman. But beyond that, I mean, I think what what gentlemanliness means to me is that strength under control. And the analogy I like to use is, you know, if, if anyone listening to this has ever been to a gym and you're working out, there's always these you know, guys who are really trying to impress everybody else. Hondos. Yeah, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. So, so you pick up you pick up more weight than you can handle, and you barely get off a couple reps, and then boom, you drop the weights so right. loud that the entire gym can hear you, and and everyone's like, oh wow, you know, look at that hot shot. And and by what he's trying, he, he he's got a little bit of strength, but he's he, he doesn't have any control over it. So he's just throwing the weights down. And then you see the guy over in the corner who's not drawing any attention to himself. But, man, he picks up, like, an 800 pounds and gets off, like, three reps. And then he just sets it down ever so gently. And you're like, wow, that guy is a beast, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and it's just – but what it is, though, is it's strength under control. Mm-hmm. And that's what gentlemanliness is to me, is it's strength that's channeled and controlled and disciplined in a way – uh, that is oriented towards the good of others, service towards others. And so f- to be a gentleman, you first have to have that manliness, that strength. Mm-hmm. But then it needs to be refined and channeled and controlled. I like it. All right. So when we get back, we're going to keep talking about gentlemanliness, virtue, manliness. All things manly. We're on the Lord's team. The winning side. So raise your glass.
Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. We exist to make one laugh. That is why we exist. Uh, we're here with Sam Guzman of the Catholic Gentleman talking about his I did his not know that. <laughs> did not realize. I've been... Now you've been misinformed this whole the, the, all 150 some odd episodes that we have done. I've you know what I've wondered sometimes when we do things like why are we doing this? But now you now know I know to make I get one it. laugh. <laughs> yes, we should have really written out a mission statement. Yeah. <laughs> it would been helpful for me. You know, the Catholic Man Show exists for the purpose of for the purpose making of one laugh. laugh. So okay. <laughs> Uh, we're here with Sam Guzman, Looks the Catholic like Gentleman. Working. He's yeah. the author of the new book, The Catholic Gentleman, Living Authentic Manhood Today. I like to call it the official book of every Catholic man. The official Ooh. book of every Catholic man. That is... I'm well, you got Dale Alquist to write the forward in it, so that's mm-hmm. pretty sweet. Yes. That's, that's a win. I've been it's trying basically to get... like having Chesterton write your forward. Mm-hmm. As but, close as you can get. Right. Yeah, as close as you can get. I'm going to start sending him all my emails to see if he'll just write a small forward to each email that I send and like, here, pass that on when yes. you're done. Yes, yes. be awesome. It's a great idea. Wouldn't that be epic? Wouldn't that be epic? Say who's Dale Alquist. Oh, Dale Alquist, for those who do not know, he's the president of the G.K. Chesterton Society. Is he the president? Is that what he is? Yes. He's like the guy in... He is he is the society the head honcho yeah mm-hmm. yeah he's the guy in charge whatever we whatever have a monsignor his here is. in Tulsa monsignor Gallus who is Dale Alquist has come in just to view uh, monsignor Gallus's book collection of Chesterton he's come in a couple times and he is impressed I need I need to meet this man yeah well he's super Saint holy Bernard's man. Yeah, Saint of Clairvaux Bernard. yeah he's a pastor over there uh, he's digitizing a bunch of Chesterton's work for Dale Alquist I think for the Chesterton Society. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they take he takes time just to type out these books that he's got and upload. There's like four of them. He has some from they, from his own library, from Chesterton's library. It has his ooh. stamp in the book. And some oh of his, man, guys, yeah, he's got <laughs> like his his handwriting. Some of his doodles are in there, and yeah, like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's so pretty cool. awesome. Oh. So anyway, so um, okay. all right, well, I loved uh, just reading through this book. In the first few chapters, you cover. A lot of ground. I mean, it's everything from muscle cars to uh, yep. rites of initiation. Yes. And so that's what I wanted to ask you about. Um, how is it that we can return? Do you have any good ideas how to bring back the rite of initiation into manhood? Because it's so important, yeah, I, I think. Mean, I agree. You know, that's why we have 20-year-old men who aren't acting like men. It's because they don't. Nobody, nobody has said this is what's expected of you now. You right. know, welcome. You just so you know, now you're a man. You earned it. Right. You know what I mean. And they maybe they don't feel like they don't deserve it. So what can we do? Yeah. Well, so for there's a couple things I want to say on that regard. First of all, um, if you're a father, I think a father's role in many ways is to challenge his sons to go above and beyond. Mothers are about comfort and safety. Dads are about stepping into the unknown and helping your sons cross that threshold. Of course we love our sons. Of course we show them affection. And and of course we show love to them and we should do that. But we also should challenge them. Not in a cruel or... But but in a way that, that says, look, you know, part of becoming a man is stepping into the unknown and rising to the occasion. So if you have a son... Look for ways to do that. Uh, don't just uh, don't just allow them to kind of relax into safety and complacency. Mm-hmm. Encourage them in an in encourage truly encouraging way 
to face their fears and to overcome them. Mm. So maybe when they're two or three <laughs> or four or five, it might be going down the big slide. Yeah, or know? jumping off the diving board or yeah, something. Yeah, right. But your job is not to make them, oh, it's okay. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll do that some other time. No, just help them work through that. Look, mm-hmm. you know, we all have to face things that we're afraid of. And, and allow your sons to learn how to do that in an early age to face those fears and overcome them. I think that's a, a responsibility that fathers have is to encourage, just not coddle them, but also at the same time in a loving way to encourage them to face their fears, okay? And, and at some point when they reach a certain age, that will mean growing up. That mm-hmm. will mean leaving the nest. That will mean leaving the support of mom and dad and launching out into the world and yeah. becoming their own man. Mm-hmm. And that can be a scary thing sometimes. I mean, I remember when I first graduated from college, I was living at home throughout college, and I was also engaged to my now wife. But I, three days after I graduated from college, I left home and moved uh, to Colorado um, where my wife was, and I got an apartment, and I started looking for jobs. And it was absolutely terrifying because I had been at home for almost forever. Sure. And it was, it was tremendous pressure on me and and there was a ton of fears and anxieties but i had to face them and i had to grow up and that facing that is part of being a man so but your responsibility as a father is to prepare your son for that moment when he makes that break from your support system into a life of his own Um, but second if you're already a man and maybe your parents never really helped you do that um, they never really helped you cross that threshold for better or worse and there's various reasons why parents might not have done that but I think it's healthy to look for ways to push yourself, to challenge yourself, to step out into the unknown and, and set those challenges for yourself. So maybe there's something you've always dreamed of doing. Maybe it's starting a business or maybe it's uh, studying a martial art or maybe it's you know some other th- challenge that you've always dreamed of. But you've, there's always been that part of you that's just afraid and so you make excuses well maybe you know not here it's just not the right time or whatever and um, step out take Mm -hmm. that challenge embrace that opportunity and and lean into it and you will find that on the other side of that is confidence and courage and i think every man doubts his own manhood until he's proven it to himself and to other men that he can do it Mm-hmm. He can face something hard, he can face his fears, and he can overcome it. And so I think if you've never had someone in your life push you in that way, then unfortunately it's kind of up to yourself to find set those challenges for yourself. Yeah. But on the other side of that, again, is a newfound confidence, a newfound courage, and a newfound ability to face challenges and overcome them. And sometimes it's a matter of God's will. Maybe God's calling you to do something, but you're just resistant to take that step. Mm-hmm. Other times it's just maybe something, it's just a matter of personal growth. Like, I just need to do this to grow as a man. Okay. And that's different for everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that's I think that's where it's found. So uh, before you go, I, I have a question about this really fast. Okay. So as a man, you know, as a father, you're supposed to be a you know, protector, provider, establisher. You know, being an establisher, making sure that your kids are established on their own, so that way they can they can face the world. Mm-hmm. Part of the uh, we used to be able to have these rites of initiation for 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 boys, where it's like, you know what? Now you're 14, 15, 16 years old. We're gonna go out camping in the woods, or we're gonna go do something that's going to be strenuous, that's gonna be tough, 
and you're going to have to achieve it and overcome it. And then you become what you, you know, a, it's a ceremonial. You're now a man. Yes. Okay. We don't have that anymore, which is just, I think is, is a terrible thing for our kids. I think we're doing a disservice to them for, mm-hmm. for our sons. But I also heard recently a guy talk about, you know, as an establisher, you're supposed to be able to keep your kids, establish them away from you. So he actually suggested to take your kids out with like one of your best friends and have your best friend take them out as a kid and not you as a dad not be there. Because that way uh, they're not relying on dad anymore. The whole process mm-hmm. of this initiation is that I've trained you is that I've to trained go you out to go away, from, out, me, away yeah. from me and not be a part of who I, you know, right. uh, under my protection. Well, uh, I, don't, I don't know if the movie 300 is historically accurate, but in that movie, you know, they would send the little Greek boys. Wait, you don't know that it is? Well, I, I, how? It is. Okay, you're right. I shouldn't have questioned it. But, you know, they send him out <laughs> for the night and he's got to go survive. Survive. Yeah. survive and, you know, right. He, you know, I mean, he's got to kill that's the what guy the all by do. himself. At yeah. seven, they start this process. Native Americans did this. Right. Australian Aborigines I think, did this. I, I mean, think uh, I think it was a podcast from The Art of Maleness that I listened to whenever mm-hmm. he was talking about rituals or he was talking about some kind of rite of initiations. Right. But he, he was talking about this idea of like, no, you shouldn't be a part of your son's initiation because yeah. the idea of establishing your son is get, getting him away from your authority, you know, your protection. Yeah. What are you, where he what, can, where he can fail. He doesn't where, have the where, safety net of dad. Yes. What do you guys think about that? I mean, I think there's something powerful about that. I mean, that's, that's really what the, the crossing the threshold into manhood is, is cutting away and, and sometimes in a violent way, all of those supports that you've relied on through your whole maturation process. And, and, throwing you out into the unknown. And again, in our modern world, this looks different for everybody. But it's you have to find that freedom, that responsibility to make your own choices, make or break, complete. If I make the wrong choice, I die. Like that's kind of how these old traditional right. um, initiation rituals went was you fail, you die. Right. And it was that radical. Now, I don't recommend that nowadays. Right. But I would say that it, there is a, comes a point where you have to launch out on your own, mm-hmm. make your own choices, and accept the responsibility for the consequences of those choices. Yeah, I think it has to do with a lot of like be, learning to become become uncomfortable. Yeah. Yes. At, we're in a comfortable life here in you know America, middle class society. You know, like it's it's we don't have we have electricity. We flip on a light, lights come on. And you know, we have learning AC. how to endure pain. Yes. Uh, like in the book, you use an example, which is of a coming of right ceremony, which is obviously extreme. Brutal. Yeah. Uh, where these, I uh, forget what the tribe was, but they would have these, the boys be stung by these bullet ants. Yes. Yes. I mean, they, they weave these gloves and weave bullet ants into the gloves and then you stick your hands in and you got to dance around for, I don't remember how long it is, but it's brutal. And and extreme pain from just one bite of those ants. Well, you're getting like 50 bites. And it lasts and 24 hours. Yes. And you have to do that like 20 you're sweating times. sweating and vomiting and like it's... You do it yeah. once, that's not it. You got to do it 20 times. Yeah. Well, I don't recommend that. But that's... Because that's a little intense. Yeah, but after... If you survive that, you know you're a man. You know you're a man. <laughs> yeah. You know, I am it's, a so man. It serves a purpose. <laughs> yeah. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. I'm David Niles here with Adam Minahan, Sam Guzman. Thanks for being here, Sam. Juan, of course, is present. Thanks for being here, Juan. Uh, so, Sam, just when I, I actually was lucky enough to receive your book in the mail from the publisher. Mm. Every now and then, publishers will send us books so that we will review them. I, I put your address on there. Yeah, which is great uh, because he I, wins. I like free books. <laughs> but anyway, so I got it the other day. Um, I got I just got it this week, so it's it was really opportune with the timing of it. All impeccable, this. yeah. Some would say almost, mm-hmm. almost. Um, but just reading through the chapter titles, uh, I was showing it to my wife, and she's like, "Man, I want to read this book," uh, just because. You just cover all of these things. I, I think it's true what you said. It's the official book of man of every Catholic man of every Catholic man. Yeah. Um, so you even cover things like style advice from a saint. Yeah. So what is some good style advice without giving it all away? Of course, you know because people need to go out and get the book. Yeah, they need but, to buy the book. But but there's no way we could cover everything. So uh, what is some good style advice? Yeah, the saint in question was Saint Francis de Sales. Okay, um, and believe it or not, this it was it was actually a young woman who wrote to him. But believe it or not, I mean the advice applies to everyone. But but believe it or not, she wrote to him and she's like, "I'm in high society here. This is you know 1600s or whatever it was, and I I, I feel very uncomfortable." Dressing to the nines every for all these balls and parties that I'm invited to, and um, I, sh- I think she was a noble woman of some sort. And um, she's like, I feel like this is contrary to the values of the gospel to you know take all this so seriously. And basically, what he said was, the true Christian needs to be the best dressed person in the room. Now he qualified that by saying, essentially, in so many words, he said that you need to have a dignified simplicity about you. Yeah. You don't need to be gaudy and flashy, but you can you can still be have this simple elegance about you. Mm-hmm. And you shouldn't draw attention to yourself, but you also shouldn't be a frizzy-haired frump either, you know. And yeah. it's true the same principle applies to men. And I think some men associate humility with shabbiness and um not caring. Um you know, that, that's really what pleases God. Well, not necessarily. Now, that doesn't mean you have to, you know, wear uh, tailor-made Italian suits that are six figures either. Or not six figures. Four figures. If you're spending $100,000 on a suit, <laughs> uh, you know, I want to talk to you because we, we have some bills that we'd like to right, pay. Yeah. <laughs> Donations. They're taking Patreon supporters. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. Goes to a that, good cause. Yeah. Yes, you, you need to create a new tier for the six-figure donors. There's six-figure donors. Uh, no gift is too big. No I, gift for six figures, big. I'll fly to Italy and get someone a suit. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Sorry, I, sorry, I, sorry. Go uh, ahead. Four figures. No, so anyway, the point is, though, um, that we need to be dignified. We need to be elegant in a sense, but, but that varies based on context. Sure. Mm-hmm. So if you're in rural Wyoming... Okay, wearing a three-piece suit uh, with glossy shoes uh, as you go to mass with the cows may not be appropriate. Yeah, you know? maybe it still is, but maybe not. But maybe not. Yeah, um, you know, in such a maybe having 
clean wa- jeans. You know, I mean, it just it depends. But it, if you're it depends in, on your economics. Uh, you know, maybe exactly. Maybe it's, it would be in, improper for you to buy a three-piece suit because it would be uh, financially put your family in financial difficulties. Exactly. You know, exactly. So. so it's not about what you wear so much as how you wear it and the intention with which you're wearing it. And, yeah. and I think it's really goes back to that. Now, a lot of people say, well, it's just about the heart, so it doesn't matter what I wear. No, actually, I think what you wear is a reflection of your heart. Mm-hmm. And I've, I, I've actually seen somebody, um, we used to go to this old parish um, in Wisconsin, and there was, there was a couple there that always wore jeans and a T-shirt, um, but they wore it in such a way that I was just blown away by their humility. Their whole demeanor just conveyed like holiness and like, and it's hard to describe until you encounter that. But in no way were they being irreverent by wearing this. That you could tell they were they were um, not well off financially in any way. And yet their whole demeanor conveyed respect for the Eucharist and just this deep humility. Mm-hmm. And I was I just remember looking at them and I was wearing my suit coat and everything. I just remember thinking like that's the carriage with which I want to carry myself regardless of what I'm wearing. I want to reflect that humility and that deep love for our Lord that you could just sense uh, exuding from them. So really, um, if if you can't afford a nice suit, don't stress it. Don't stress it. You can still show respect and... But if you can, or get fine. a th- get a suit at a thrift store, yeah, you can exactly. you can get you can get suits that are not I have that are not expensive. So again, you know, so much of the spiritual life is about finding that um, balance. Holiness is about balance. Yeah, it's not about extremes. It's about balance, and I think um, there is a way to wear carry yourself well, so that whatever you're wearing is dignified but we should also remember that clothes are a form of communication Mm -hmm. so if you're in a context where there are certain expectations that say this is what's respectful and if you show up in torn jeans and muddy shoes and you know a stained t-shirt it's going to be extremely disrespectful the virtue of decorum plays Yes. Here. Then right. don't yeah. do it. Don't mm-hmm. do it. Yeah, the culture has right. largely defines these things. Right. So follow the the dictates of of the context in which you find yourself, but also carry yourself with with a a, a dignity and simplicity about where you where you're not drawing attention to yourself. Mm-hmm. That's what the word modesty that you you've seen thrown about all over. That's what it means really is not drawing attention to yourself. And there's some people who who dress in such a way where they think they're being humble and like. They just they're showing their holiness, but they're wearing it on their sleeve by wearing like really tacky, you know. Right, and, and that's actually not really modest because you're still drawing attention to yourself, yeah. but just in an inverted mm-hmm. way. And so I think really modesty, humility, and dress is about blending in. Mm-hmm. Sure, and, and I think that's where the mean is found. But anyway, so no, we we had a debate about this on our private Facebook pages just for our Patreon supporters mm-hmm. a while back when we were talking about we had shoe polish as the man gear, mm-hmm. and we were talking about you know polishing your shoes before mass and um, that kind of stuff. And so people were saying, well, I don't like to do that because I don't want to bring attention to myself. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's really important that it's not that's not what it's about. I mean, if that's why you're polishing your shoes, right. you shouldn't do it. Right, but you should polish your shoes in order to honor 
honor honor Jesus essentially um, with as much as you can. You know, present the best version of yourself in mass. You know, it's like, wouldn't you? So some people wear a suit to every wedding they go to, but they won't do it to they won't wear a suit to mass. You know, it's like so. You think that oh, this wedding, even if it's a secular wedding, is more important than mass? I mean, right. it's, it's essentially what you're saying. Um, so I think it just that's one of my things is that yeah. let's bring up the attire, raise the attire at mass a little bit. What can you What can you do? Like, what can you reasonably do? Like, uh, based on your circumstances mm-hmm. in life, right? What's your intention, mm-hmm. and how is that reflected in your clothing? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, because your your outward appearance is a reflection of your internal state, um, and and again, yeah, it's an act of respect to others. Or yeah. if that's the way you're approaching that, that's the best way. So okay, I got one more thing to say, Adam. Yeah. Before you can, yeah, go ahead. Br- you yeah, can bring ahead. it home. I'm reading uh, Pinocchio to my kids by ah. by Carlo Collodi, um, the original. You know, not the Disney. not not the Disney. Ridiculous, but. Um, one of the things that Geppetto says to Pinocchio in the very beginning is that it's not fine clothes that make the gentleman, but clean clothes. Mm, you know, so it's yeah. not about how what what kind of suit are you wearing, but how well are you taking care of the clothes that you have? You know, how well are you presenting yourself with what you have available? There's an old saying that clothes make the man. I like to invert that and say the man makes the clothes mm-hmm. because it's really about who you are and how your clothes reflect that much more than what you're wearing yeah something to piggyback on what we're wearing is is uh courtesy you talk about courtesy in the book yes. too which i is something that guys just forgot have, have forgotten what to do it's so crazy well, it's offensive adam okay it's so, yeah it's so crazy how i'll walk into into my offices and like i will hold the door open for you know i see another lady we're walking in about the same time i, I open the door and i let her go first and she's almost so shocked that i would be willing to do that you know because she's just society today isn't opening doors for yeah. ladies anymore almost sometimes suspicious have you ever noticed that Yeah, they're that, almost like, like yes what do you wait what, what's your what's like, your agenda thank right. you what's your angle thank you so I much think. why are you but isn't like, that isn't it crazy that men we have fallen so short in the in in, in courtesy yeah i mean I, I say manners are ritualized respect they're right. they're codified ways mm-hmm. of showing respect to others and so when you have manners when you have courtesy and respect for others it's a way of saying, you possess dignity, and I am going to reflect that in the way that I treat you. Um, and, and traditionally, societies have had ways of, again, codifying this, like, this is how you show respect to others by doing this, this, and this. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, a woman can open a door for herself. Sure. Right. She's not that, I mean, you'd have yeah. to be pretty weak to not open a door for yourself. But it's not about weakness or strength or anything. It's about respect. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's what manners are, is, is it's ritualized respect. Yeah. yeah. And the, like some of the things that I try to do, and I I don't do this all the time because I just forget, but that's just my own failure to do this, but stand up when a woman when Walks a woman in. enters the room or when a priest mm. enters the yes. room. Yeah. Um, get on your feet. Sam, congratulations on the success of the book so far. It's been killing it. So, guys, if you do not have a copy of this book, go get it right now. Amazon has... Uh, had a deduction in price recently. Yes. I just saw that. So Absolutely. make sure to go get it right now. The Catholic Gentleman, Living Authentic Manhood Today. Sam, thanks so much for hanging out with us. Thanks so much for having me. More on the Lord's team. The winning side. So raise your glass. Cheers to Jesus.